How dare you? No, how dare you? How dare you? No, no, how dare you? How dare you? How dare you? No, no, my how dare you? How dare you? You dare to dare me? How dare you? How dare you? How dare me when I how dare you? How dare you? She blinded me with science. And I would have made millions if it hadn't been for you meddling kids. I used to think there were just two settings, male and female. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Grab your lab coats and goggles by the door. You are tuned in for another episode of Nick's Nonfiction with your host, Nick Bunez. This mid-month book of February, we are reading a book that is about to be burned. We got The Science Delusion by Curtis White, neuroscientist, a man who has seen behind the veil and is relaying the faults in the seven-step process that we take for granted. Curtis White promotes an air of skepticism and always, always, always following the money. All in due time today, Curtis tears down a TED Talk with over 500 million views from a neuroscientist, Sebastian Sung, who claims, this one man claims, that we have the connectome of the brain wired down. You'll see throughout the book today, this is the way a lot of our scientific models operate. And sometimes you have to go backwards to go forwards. So get your big brains on, ladies and gentlemen. Grab that thinking cap from your fourth grade teacher, because we are thinking much bigger picture than igneous rocks today. Our last episode that included a uh, political about the month, we're scrapping that from here on out. You come here for the books, Nick Nunez is giving you the books. During one of our About the Month segments, we got shredded for lighting up Greta Thunberg. Now this little puppet is going to be completely dismantled by the end of our show today. I don't want to lose too many people off the jump. But there is very much a new religion of science that has came about in our society. I have the big picture Sean Carroll's book staring at me. That is the Bible of science. I am very much in love with the seven-step tool from hypothesis to conclusion that can help you measure your environment. What I am not about is all these lonely leftists who are co-opting science as this new religion, this church, this inclusive group. Throughout history, you will learn today, Einstein, Tesla, we're the kooks. You are not going to be part of the in-crowd if you are doing actual science. This is going to be a crazy book, ladies and gentlemen. I will leave you with a quote before I get to Ahead of Myself by Niels Bohr, the father of the atom. Prediction is very difficult, especially about the future. Everything we call real is made of things that cannot be regarded as real. Those who are not shocked when they first come across quantum theory cannot possibly have understood it. How wonderful that we have been met with a paradox. Ladies and gentlemen, we do not know the map of the brain. We do not know the map of the universe that NASA will show you. There are much bigger mysteries as humans just run with narratives. And today we are becoming enlightened to the shortcomings that we are as humans. Not to feel bad, but to give us all more hope about the future rather than submitting to a carbon tax and just saying the government will deal with it. This is big picture, ladies and gentlemen. About the author... Curtis White today is going to be our king of counterculture. He was born in 1951. Guy is 71 now. Curtis White, writing out of San Lorenzo, California. Still cranking him out. 
He is an American essayist and author. These essayists put out the craziest ideas. They're like, I don't even need to put out an entire book. I'm spitting such crazy truth, it's only going to be 20 pages. We got the Murray Rothbard Anatomy of the State, Thomas Sowell. Geniuses. Most of his career, Curtis, was writing fiction. And then the last four out of 15 books were based on, it was nonfiction, that's what we got today, and they're based on social criticism. So the guy learned how to write, and now he's applying it to society. In 1981 was his first book, that was about some rogue heretic, and in 29 his most recent was Living in an Unfixable World. So he really is taking it dark and deep. You can't be turned away from a title much easier than that. It's like, here, let me give you an extra dose of depression this month. (laughs) Unfixable world. Have faith in your fellow man, Mr. White. He was like a co-producer living out in California now on the American Made movie. That's the one with Tom Cruise. I'll give you a little synopsis. But he also was a big source for the writing of that book. Curtis has always been exploring uh, touchy subjects That movie American Made, go watch it. It's about the ex-FBI agent, Barry Seal. And he's been, like, uh, contracted by the CIA. And he's trafficking cocaine from Mexico to Mena, Arkansas. Do we know whose district this was before they got to be president? Bill Clinton. They were trafficking the coke into his county. He was calling the cops off. And they were bringing, like, hundreds of pounds going up to Chicago, ruining families, ruining lives. And then... George H.W. Walker Bush was the one who pardoned Bill Clinton for that, and Barry Seal. Go watch that movie. It's a real deep dive into the black projects of American history. Tom Cruise on that one. You wouldn't expect it. He's uh, Actually, he did Eyes Wide Shut, the Kubrick film, so his movies definitely got some truth from time to time. This book, The Science Delusion by Curtis White, is from 2013. By the time this was written, he had already seen five years of Twitter what, nine years of YouTube. So he was seeing the trends. This guy's um, writes in like the style of an economist, like all those little essay writers. This guy's looking for trends. He tells the future. That's why it kind of makes me a little uneasy when his most recent book is called The Unfixable World. But he's calling things like always talking counterculture. I could go on Twitter right now and tweet, fuck, <laughs> fuck Christianity, religion is dead. But if I go online and tweet, fuck Greta Thunderbird, or climate change might not be real, you will get banned from Twitter. You might get your IP address banned so you cannot start a new account. This is like the new religion, man. It's talking against the Aristotle. He had to go behind the Greeks. Newton, he had to go behind the crown to do the actual science. Many illusions and delusion that goes into science. And there's not much more online on Curtis White. It was pretty mysterious how I came across this book as well. I live in like a, in in Denver is just every street. It's either an apartment building, mansion, mansion, apartment building, 1930s mansion. And I live in one of these 1930s mansions, four units. In the garage, there are like (laughs) junk from tenants from the past hundred years, probably ghosts aplenty in that garage too. And I found this book, The Science Delusion. In this garage. And it's from 2013, so it's pretty recent. Maybe there was a hobo reading in my garage. Or God placed it there. Because <laughs> nobody's reading this type of stuff in Denver. This is, uh, everybody's got a virtue signal 
bumper sticker on the back of their Toyota Prius. I've been doing some on-stage Prius jokes, <laughs> setting fire to my own community because I don't believe the Prius actually. You ever seen the documentary about iPhone batteries take like years to decay and we ship them over to China? My Prius's engine battery is going to displace like an entire town in China. These things don't just disappear. But I'm green. It's a six-chapter book. Great response on our last book, Replay. So let's get into the prologue here. little into the mind of Curtis White before you really get the meat and potatoes. In the USA, Duh. winning. you guys are going to have to put your political team jerseys aside. Take it off, get naked for the show today, because we're talking like independence as you should when you're trying to explore new ideas. Ever since the Reagan-Bush era, the neocons, the right-wing, the conservative Republicans have adopted the Christian right, the church. This is why they're against abortion. Ever since then, you got like Jimmy Carter and Clinton, and then Al Gore is when the left-wing really adopted science as their religion. So that's the two teams right now. Roe versus Wade also kicked that off. And the Darwin curriculum, I had notes here that I should have probably looked at. Those are much bigger events. When the left wing was like, there is no God. Let's start killing babies. I think you should be allowed to do it, man. I'm on your side. You're killing the baby, though. And they were saying, don't teach kids that were special. Start teaching them survival of the fittest, Darwinism. We're on a rock floating through space and nothing matters. So those are the two teams right now. You got the right wing barely hanging on to the religion in 2020. And then you got the left wing who is praising science on their knees, <laughs> receiving the offer, if you know what I mean. Nobody's going to look at church. Nobody's going to church anymore. The, I've seen, it's pretty depressing. Denver is like the land of church. You go down to Colorado Springs and they're like the holy land. People call Colorado God's country. Up here in Denver, I'm seeing like boards up razor wire fence around churches because they're going under. You can't even survive even though you don't have to pay property tax. That makes no sense. Ah, next to the high school by my house, there are homeless people pitching tents on the high school's property. I think I walked by a dead guy the other day there. He was like purple, just not even moving. And it, I just walked by. Shows you the lack of care we have in big cities. I just walked by a dead guy. But it's getting out of control. Homeless people on high school. Lost my train a little bit there. We're losing our religion, people. There it is. <laughs> this book is going to cover the phenomena known as consciousness and creativity which we still cannot define under science. And Curtis White worked in uh, neuroscience for some time before being an author. What is this guy, freaking Superman? And he's saying the current models for the brain, the connectome, how everything is connected, is completely false. It's just like, I like to say the plum pudding model is my favorite fucking... <laughs> for 50 years, we were teaching kids in school that the world is made of pudding. We didn't know what atoms were, so we were just going, it's probably just like all negative energy. <laughs> and then little positive protons freaking floating around in it. And that's how we saw the world. And we just do these things. Humans just run with narratives. Go listen to the Mind of the Market broadcast from about a year ago, half a year. But a lot of our current models are trash. 
like the two halves of your brain thing is completely false. The right half is the creative half. The left half is blah, blah, blah. There are guys that get shot in the head in war and come back and like your brain just shifts over and the gray matter creates a new web. Like it's not just half is for this, half is for that. Everybody's physiology is different when you get <clears throat> when you get on the inside. And nobody knows what the fuck brains are. People that donate their brains to science, it's very uncommon. Curtis's intention or reason for writing this book was working in the neuroscience. He was reading f uh, philosophy and gay stuff like that at the time where it isn't A plus B equals C. There are gray areas, just like the gray matter. And he's saying neuroscience is stepping on the toes of the humanities by saying it's a connectome because when you go down that argument path that it's a connectome, you're taking away autonomy. You're arguing for determinism, that everything is predetermined and your brain is you. And I believe people are dependent. And that's what Curtis White is trying to argue here. This guy... Sebastian Sung did a TED Talk for like 500 million views. He's the apex of neuroscience. That's who Curtis White battles with. And the idea is that if this happens in neuroscience, the canon of the sciences, then it definitely happens in, you'll see with an example in 20 seconds, every other science. And White does have a counter-argument. He's not just bringing you an issue with no plan. White believes with a lot of other, like new age scientists that ideas and reaction like epigenetics are stored in your genes very interesting topic for today chapter one what's a good lunch what's our example of another phony science out there what's a good lunch nutritional science has led one-third of americans into obesity and premature heart disease death Terrorists might get off with one or two white guys that are in their country a year. <laughs> you might have heard of Al-Qaeda, but have you heard of glucose? I was raised on, obviously, cereal. <laughs> like, uh, Apple Jacks were my favorite. I banged with the Oreo cereal. They don't make it the same now. It's just little O's, like little donut Cheerios in the Oreo. They used to have the marshmallows in there. That's the best part, the cream of the Oreo. And you took that out of the <laughs> full-balanced breakfast. Nutritional science is baloney, man. Baloney. What the fuck is that? Horse hooves shoved into a gel? Look at the fucking food pyramid. That was in classrooms. They've changed it to the food plate, which still isn't much better. But the pyramid was telling you the base of your diet was supposed to be bread. White bread, wonder bread, any type of pasta or carb that you could build a functioning 24-hour clock on. <laughs> this episode is probably going to age with grace. In 20 years, we're going to be like, why were these fucks eating Wonder Bread? What is that stuff? It lasts for 40 years in space. And then at the top was cake. You had to eat cake, the top of the pyramid, at some point of every day. Curtis started his What's a Good Lunch chapter with... An evangelical and a scientist are walking in a forest. One is shouting at the other, Evolution! Design! Evolution! Design! And then a third guy comes up in the middle of a forest. Curtis White, you should have made this joke start in a bar. Third guy comes up in the middle of the forest and says, What are you guys raging about? What if evolution has a grand design? So it's probably not one or the other. And also the name of the chapter define a good lunch is different for everybody like some people eat white bread their entire life and live to be a frail 90 year old women when a lot of guys 
go the full meat ketogenic diet and we'll die at 50. <laughs> religion and science works for different people different ways too. Obviously, religion is a subjective... I see, because I was raised this way, don't believe it anymore, God is energy or some shit. God is some guy with a white beard, whereas someone who was raised in India and has never seen a white person would never conceptualize the creator of the universe <laughs> as your grandpa. So Curtis does drop in the chapter one here. You can use science or religion to define everything around you. Uh, my bed was given to me by the grace of God, or my bed is a bunch of cotton atoms. I know it's not on the periodic table, you fucking anal science incel non-joke getters. <laughs> Long way for that one. Maybe I'm the anal incel science non-joke getter. Maybe reality is subjective. So we quote Stephen Hawking here in chapter one. <laughs> this guy is quoting the best scientists ever. His last book, The Grand Design. This was about the Big Bang Theory. Stephen Hawking in the chair. <laughs> Damn, I wish I had a drop for this. I'm Stephen Hawking. <laughs> the quote from The Grand Design Curtis used was, The true miracle is how abstract considerations of logic lead to a unique theory. Even Hawking was tripping over like, Whoa, dude, E equals MC squared was just an idea Einstein had. Otherwise, it wouldn't exist. You know what's behind the E equals MC squared? Einstein was at a train station. There was a clock on the wall. He's walking away from the clock, bored, waiting for a train. And as he gets further away from the clock, he's like, wait, that's not actually what time it is. As I get further away from the clock, it takes longer for the light to get to my eyes. And he's like, holy shit, everything is just moving in light waves. He starts moving on the Tesla line of thought. And then the science community is like, dude, you got to be doing two plus two math for us. You can't be saying that. Light is distorted with gravity. Go watch Interstellar. Go read Stephen Hawking's The Grand Design. Right before Stephen, Hawk is Stephen Hawking is dying, he's going, I don't know about all this math shit, man. Sometimes people just make shit up out there, and it kind of works, so we run with it. From Stephen Hawking. He said it in a computer voice, so you would trust it more. Here's one that's going to blow your fucking dome off. Did you guys know, do a little research into this, who created the Big Bang Theory? <laughs> it was in the 50s. Pope George, yeah, a Pope, George Lamater. There's the ultimate affair behind atheists and hardcore religious Bible humpers' backs. The church and the sciences are working together. This was at the time that evolution, uh, survival of the fittest, the Darwinism was being put into the school curriculum. They were moving prayer time out of school, and they were like, we need some other theory of how the universe got here if we can't say the seven-day creation God theory. And so the Pope was like, Big Bang, God snapped his fingers, and then all the matter came out of one place. And, like, you'll go NASA. <laughs> go look at the NASA. NASA will tell you all about the, uh, shows all the particles. Looks like it did probably come from one central place. Okay, then where's the center of the universe? There's a lot of black holes around. Are you just going to tell me it's a black hole somewhere? Point to it. I want to know where the center of the universe is. The center of the subjective universe is Earth, because it's only as far out as we can see, if we're talking about Einstein math. So we got a little Hawkins. He quotes a little Dawkins. Dawkins' big pursuit was always trying to prove beauty having a scientific section in the brain that it inhabits, or maybe even a religious definition. What is beauty? Why do we friggin' adore it? Maybe you might want to go read some of Leonardo da Vinci's papers about the Fibonacci sequence, the sacred 
geometry of the face that we all calculate when we look at each other. You know, that's an artist. It's not a scientist, but it's the most accurate motherfucking thing we have. Dawkins, open your mind. White is saying, just like he was this guy, one of the best scientists donated his career to trying to figure out beauty. When you're in love, where's the map of the brain for that? I'll debunk it real quick. Love is completely emotional and illogical. There's no rationality behind it, which is good. You're a human. Embrace your emotions. But how is it hardwired into all of our fucking circuit boards then? If you're saying that the brain is a connectome, then wouldn't it be pretty goddamn simple to emulate that into a robot's brain? How come we can't have calculators that love us yet? Why does my laptop not tell me (laughs) it's all okay after I'm done looking at the dirtiest porn on the internet? (laughs) If... There was a connectome. You'd be able to see with an MRI where love is pulsing through the brain, and then you could try to emulate that through a robot. But it's the year 2020. We don't have any hover cars, and we definitely don't have robots that could love you. Curtis takes it a little bit deeper on the love thing because it's an anomaly. There's another thing for science we can't... Oh, I'm a scientist, and uh, I wear a lab coat all day, so I will have you know that love is just the flooding of oxytocin in your brain. It's when someone touches you. It's a physical attraction. How come love can fucking transcend time? Like when I'm thinking about my mother out of nowhere and then she calls me? They're trying to explain that now in quantum physics. We don't fucking know, man. There's entanglement in the universe or some shit like that. Curtis White, back in 2013, is saying love is a meme. You know what a meme is? Like the academic definition? It's just an idea. And it'll trip you out now. Start thinking about memes and the funny versions. And that's how you spread information. But love being a meme. I can love someone from the past. I can have an interstellar trip and fall in love with a DMT entity. Love is not something definable. Just like consciousness. So Curtis is saying we'll get a lot further in science once we stop acting like we know everything. For the latter half of the chapter, he starts talking about love and free will. We'll get into all of the romanticists versus transcendentalists versus determinists in later chapters. But science in today's educational system even pushes you towards determinism. Seventh grade science, igneous metamorphous, (laughs) um, trans optimus primus rocks. Three types of rocks that are able to float through the universe with you a little organism on it. That means absolutely nothing. We think we know what every type of rock in the universe is and we haven't made it off our little stone yet. This current method of science that we teach in school really brings you to the conclusion in life that nothing matters, man. We're all just matter. From dirt you come to dirt you'll go. And once you start reading some like ralph waldo emerson or some real old 1500s poetry those people looked at nature as pretty well designed it's (laughs) i mean nature had millions of years to figure itself out i can hold both of these things in my head at a time but if you ever trip balls mr science guy go look at nature and realize you think this is all just random we got pretty fucking lucky then being the only living organisms in the universe Being raised in this system of the dogma of science, it has us enslaved to its power. And, dude, this scares me. The iPhone has everybody fucking enslaved. I think we would be in the street revolving like the Arab Spring in Egypt right now if we all weren't fucking addicted to Netflix on our iPad. It's too good right now for us. 
And like the fact that I could just send a message across the country in the snap of an eye has us being like, yeah, science knows all. <laughs> it's just radio waves. This is going back to Tesla, the guy who knew free energy in the 1800s. Science that's been suppressed. It's frequencies and vibrations. It's not magic. <laughs> so don't believe in Greta's magic either. Her black magic to steal our money. Fear. That's like a spell, dude. Do you believe in spells? Go back to Neil Strauss. That's a great opening question at a bar. What Curtis starts to write about a little bit is how this, the dogma of science, the religion, has never been this strong where nobody questions it at all. In history, the scientists were the quacks. We would look at them and be like, everyone was picking on Tesla on the playground and Tesla was like, shut up guys, I'll fucking electrocute you. Everyone's like, yo, what, mate? What is electricity? That's bullshit. It doesn't exist. Einstein was looked at as a quack. We are the first generation in history where kids are unanimously believing scientific research that is obviously bought off. We'll get into the funding later. But, like, scientific research that is obviously paid for by Monsanto or some pill corporation is just fucking preached anti-vaccination. I don't want to bring that into the show today, but a lot of science coming out. How come on YouTube, holistic medicines were banned, along with 9-11 truth? Cures for cancer that don't include radiating yourself with x-rays, it includes changing your fucking diet, are online, and they're being censored. It's really scary. And the kids right now are just going, whatever has the FDA stamp on it, even if it is the food pyramid, that's science, bro. It's cool to fucking preach science nowadays. And I'm like, I can shit on it because I have been this. I remember one of the most first, most first eye-opening conversations I had. It was with my dad. I lost the argument. I came home from school swinging my big fourth grader dick and was going, Hey, Dad, you want to know where fucking dinosaurs came from? And he's like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> and I was like, plate tectonics, bro. I was saying how they found the same bones in America that they did over in Europe. Go look at the science now. You could get lost in a lot of rabbit holes. Those are gigantopithecus bones, giant apes. I'm not going to trip you all out. Dinosaurs were birds. A lot of shit like that going down. But even me back in the day, I was like, I know where dinosaurs are from. I'm 12. And my dad was like, so what? The dinosaurs uh, rode rafts. And I was like, no, the earth moved. And he's like, prove it. And I was like, they, the dinosaurs, they walked across. Some of them were really tall. They just walked across the ocean. And by the end, I wasn't able to understand the layers of the crust folding over one each other. But I lost an argument with science on my side because I didn't really have the science. I was being blind. The Teslas nowadays are not what you think. It's not Neil deGrasse Tyson or who's that fucker that says there's two genders. Uh, the science guy, I grew up on him too. Bill Nye. Yeah, he sold out. <laughs> These people are... Dude, did you see the Joe Rogan last year where Neil deGrasse Tyson was on there and he could not explain gravity? He was like, oh, the, the Higgs boson. And Joe Rogan was like, how does it work? Do we know what gravity is? And he's like, oh, we found the God particle. You know, we've just been smashing particles together, and now we know how gravity works. And we definitely don't know how fucking gravity works now. We don't know what dark matter is, which is 80% of the universe. We just call it, oh, scientists know what that is. It's dark matter. What is it composed of? What are its properties? Can we manipulate it? No, just put a name on it, label it, and act like we know everything. And then the lower it gets down the line, the worse it gets preached, like me with the dinosaurs at 12 years old. It's definitely going to be the longest chapter. But it's juicy, it's juicy. 
Curtis went into private schools. They test higher on independent thinking tests as well. Because that's what they're teaching in school. Anybody could memorize the 100 page. I had the flashcards for the SAT words. Anybody can memorize that shit. The private school kids are better at these creativity tests. And so, you know, the public school education, what's in a good lunch? Who's getting <laughs> tenured public education jobs rather than working at a private school? Remember the old Woody Allen joke? Those that can't do teach. Those that can't teach, teach gym. Everybody knows from someone from their hometown that's like a substitute teacher or a teacher that you do not want to trust with the future minds of America. And that's all of us out here now who just are like, yeah, I was educated. What if I Spanish? This is terrible. One of my Spanish teachers had to relocate schools, go to the middle school, because we found out that she was called the machine in high school. She gave a lot of hand jobs. Isn't that terrible, man? These are who are teaching science to the young minds. So some of these scientists that were out there that we know are correct now. Einstein was seen as a kook because he made his own experiments. He was not accepting commercial money until like the he was not published in any of the academic papers. He was an outcast until he uh, went on the Manhattan Project and he built the fucking nuclear bomb for the government. And they were like, you're God now. You're going to be on a poster in every single classroom in <laughs> public education America. E equals MC squared. That's you, Einstein, baby. It's not until he started accepting commercial money and working with the government that he was not seen as crazy. Same with Tesla. Guy fucking, <laughs> he invented free energy. So, like, we could all not be paying electric bills right now. I obviously do not know the science behind how that would work, harvesting it. But what the government used it for and what uh, Tesla, why his name lives throughout history is because he sold them, they corrupted from him, the electric chair. Isn't that nice? We could add free energy. Now we're frying people's brains. Then you got another whack job scientist who wound up being right in the 1900s. Hitchens was saying, humans are just proteins and acids, which is like half true. We're just these hormonal beasts running on DNA, RNA, and epigenetics. And proteins, testosterone, probably controls a lot of my fucking behavior. Hitchens went whole hog on it. He's like, we're just a bag of moving chemicals. We're nothing more than that. How do you explain developing IQs then? Like if you gave an iPhone to a person from 1500, they would be like, Ugh, not know what do. Need to take shower in dirt. And unfortunately, like Hitchens starts these wars then between the religious people because religion is a good pacifier. The guy with the 90 IQ is not going to be trying to read philosophy to direct his own moral compass. He just needs 10 commandments from God. And how would Hitchens, Mr we're all just meat bags. How does he explain near-death experiences or remote viewing? <laughs> Do some research of your own on that type of stuff. And then we got Nietzsche back at it on Nick's nonfiction. Nietzsche was seen as a kook while he was writing, but after he died, people were like, I'm feeling kind of sad. Let's read that Nietzsche. And we're like, damn, I'm vibing with this right now. Our boy called Judaism, the religion, Judaism, Platonism for the masses. So it's not really a religion, it's more of an opiate for the masses. Jews, you guys can't commit to a god. Just pick someone. Are you guys just mad that the Christians first round drafted Jesus as our Messiah? There's not a lot of other good ones out there. Abraham's not too hot. Moses, pretty good second pick. Can't turn water into wine, but he can separate oceans. Not bad. <laughs> 
Nietzsche thought that Judaism was less of a religion and more of a cult of culture. You hear Jewish people call themselves the tribe, <laughs> but you, you don't have a, have a god. I love Jewish people here on the show. Dude, I did the math once when I was in high school and bored as fuck because <laughs> I'm from North Jersey. Heavy Jewish population, a lot of money outside of New York City. I knew like 120 Jewish people, let's say. And there's only like 12 million Jews in America. So I knew like 0.1% of the Jewish people in the world. <laughs> yeah, that's my claim to not being anti-Semitic, having done some math about chilling with. I've been to bat mitzvahs, they're fun. But the point there, when you give up the God and you just go into community, what humans are meant to do, you're going to be able to take over the banks, the media, and prosper like a motherfucker. I think that'll do it. (laughs) Chapter 2, Romanticism versus Counterculture. Romanticism was the Renaissance idea that first came to be that you are in control of your fate. Everyone was on the God, the terminalism route. Original sin, you gotta pay the church your tithe, a third of your income, so that you can go to heaven. Sounds a little bit like the government, doesn't it? Because nobody's buying religion anymore, and nobody's buying the government now, so eventually it's just gonna be science. Look ahead. You're taking my science away from me. I almost had an orgasm when I first knew what physics was. I was like, holy shit, you can do math about how fast something is gonna fall? It's like you're hacking the matrix. Romanticism, the way I like to describe it, observing society, you think it could be better. And you're not, you're like people say, I was born in the wrong generation. There's probably no right generation. Curtis White described romantics. They go on mountain hikes, they're crazed poets, rapturers. What? They love unhappy love affairs and an unfathomable inclination to commit suicide. Are you still a romantic? Ladies, a hopeless romantic is not some whiny chick with a broken heart. It's, you know, people living their truth to the point where they see that everybody else is fucking miserable. That's as much of a hardcore definition as I can give it. Counterculture is just revolting against what the masses point out as injustices. So it's like comedy or rock and roll is counterculture. And one of the cool points he makes, we'll dissect a little later, is how art is not art if it's not counterculture. It's just a material product you're selling then. Like, remember that I Heart NY shirt? It's not counterculture. You're not saying there's absolutely no layers. There's no insight behind it. You're not... Everybody loves New York, so it's fucking a commercial product. This is not art, this I Heart NY. You go to Philly now, and there's this, like, I Heart PY statue everyone takes pictures by, L-O-V-E. Is that art? It's a commercial fucking product where people are selling pictures on Instagram and ads. Interesting point by Curtis. Art changed after Romanticism. So after that Renaissance period. Take an art history class. Before the Renaissance, literally every painting in the world, every sculpture was like of a king, of a battle, or of a castle. That's pretty, nothing else existed because these people, these were the religious people we're talking about before, saw nature as superior to art because God created it. So like Van Gogh, why the fuck are you going to go out and try to paint a a hillside when the detail is going to look like garbage because nobody could see and they didn't have above 4K cameras. Now you look at a basketball game and you're seeing like beads of sweat on people's head from 20 feet away and I'm like, 
Did I get supervision? I cannot see this well. I Humans only see in like 1080p. We're watching some alien shit. So they obviously were not able to foresee that progressive of technology before the Renaissance, but they didn't see that art can be something more. You have then Van Gogh creating his own style of like splotches, Starry Night. It's supposed to be this trippy, flowing colorscape. And then you got Picasso, who just took one too many psychedelics, and he put the nose where the eyes should be and a bunch of cubes where your mouth should be. This was like the birth of romanticism, seeing that everyone was just going to church every Sunday and thinking, why don't we put a crow mask on and have a little carnival this weekend? Before the Renaissance, before Da Vinci, before a lot of our thinking changed as people, the oldest sciences, the church and the kings were just in charge of it. They ranked nature is the most powerful thing, and then society, and then art, and then your second natures. But White says, this is another time that science is wrong. It was not even able to measure the forces of the universe because art came before society. You go deep into a cave, you might find an arrow tip, but you're also going to find a painting of a buffalo. So there you go. Obviously, art came before civilizations. It's not like you need to first have homes and taxes before someone can paint something. It's the exact opposite. As a human, you want to paint something. You don't want to fucking work in a box all day and give your money away. Schiller was another author who wrote about, dedicated his career to showing how civilizations destroy nature. So there you go. Nature is not more powerful than civilizations. Look to the future. We do not know the order of this. Everyone's going, if we keep doing what we're doing, the earth is going to overheat. We're going to be swimming. Al Gore in his fucking panic documentary, uh, Darker, what's it called? An Inconvenient Truth. Every single estimation he made was wrong. He was like, everybody, by 2010, Miami is going to be underwater. We are going to need dams around Manhattan by 2020. Nothing you've said is right, bro. This was a scare tactic to be president. And so Schiller's point here is going, yeah, the tide goes in, the tide goes out. You've heard that one from anti-climate people before. And they called it global warming, but they didn't look ahead. I'm a fucking 12-year-old at the time, and I was like, but wait, aren't we due for another ice age? And then they changed it to climate change. Hmm, how convenient. Tide goes in, tide goes out. Humans are just putting little fucking farts into the atmosphere. We are not geoengineering the Earth. This is why the elites are fucking carving into the mountains going under Antarctica. Because if some shit hits the fan, then we'll just take shelter. Civilizations can outlast nature. This order of science is not something you have to submit your life or your business or your religion to. Finishing up here, counterculture is not just about anarchy. Like punk rock, is a lot of those people have children. They want to live a life one day. It's not about fucking stealing and raping and pillaging. It's about self-realization. You're looking at yourself and saying... Maybe I want to fucking take my tie off at the end of the day and headbang to let a little steam out. It's about shedding the shell that you've just built around yourself, the shield, the protective layer, to cope with society. That's what fucking counterculture is. It's getting down to your root. You see those people when you go to a music festival who are letting it cut loose. That. Oh, they're just doing a bunch of drugs. Whatever, man. Whatever it takes you to get to that place, it's a beautiful thing. And that's what the point of counterculture is to make it to that point of human bliss. It's not about anarchy. 
<laughs> you might have to tear down society to get there. Because right now, if I don't work and then give a third of what I work for to a state, I get thrown in a state cell. There's no alternative. So this new religion of science is built on inclusivity. Whereas, as we said before, Tesla was being beat up on the playground. It was not cool or inclusive to be a scientist. It's a safe space now. Real science is being out there, dude. It's like making a joke that goes too far. Real science is measuring IQ based on race. I know that's a very taboo thing to say, but this is a real science that isn't allowed to be conducted because fucking people's feelings get hurt. Come on now. I know I'm not the smartest one in the world. The Ashkenazi Jews would beat me in chess in podcast. Look at all the entertainers in the world. They're all probably Ashkenazi Jew descendants. We could really be learning some more shit about the human form and our incarnation here if uh, the zeitgeist wasn't influencing science and this inclusivity bullshit. Let's finish this one on a little bit of a lighter note. I'm getting a little angry. <laughs> Talk some memes. White ended the chapter saying how art mimics the evolutionary process. Think about it. Humans, we are just carbon atoms that learn to recognize ourselves, become self-aware. Art evolves as this the same way. Stay with me. So like a Van Gogh painting is always going to stay that way. But he influenced artists to come. Art is the entire wave of this shit happening. It's not just piece by piece. Look at memes, bro. Memes are living art. You have the first meme. You have the fucking Baby Yoda. And then someone puts a new caption on the Baby Yoda. And then someone makes a joke how it's not that cute. It kind of looks like the Sonic the Hedgehog character. And then someone makes a joke about how... Hold up, Disney Plus came out as soon as the Yoda meme got blasted on every single account on Instagram. <laughs> art influences culture and the wave starts to flow. It's like the Hunter S. Thompson, the art culture of the 60s, the wave was not able to break. Chapter 3, DNA, a parasite that builds its host. Crazy idea on this one. We are getting back into the brain game, trying to define creativity. Maybe Curtis is going, the creativity is stored within your DNA, not some lattice that's already <laughs> solid in your skull. So maybe we are run by the epigenetics in our DNA and we don't even know it. Your DNA could very well be the voice in your head. You know, where is that fucking bullshit coming from? <laughs> maybe it is like uh, you, you've seen Venom. He gets a second voice in his head when this little goop becomes a symbiote with him. Who's to say that's not what our DNA is doing? Because if you look at twins, the way your RNA changes throughout the life, there's a lot of evidence for this that's not going to be fun on a fucking podcast. But it brings us back to Shill's question in the big picture. With the, Is it our DNA? Is it our brain that is telling us what is beautiful? How am I going to know who to reproduce with and share my DNA with? One of the biggest questions that science has never been able to answer and that we just teach our kids is the missing link. It's been the biggest question throughout history along with alchemy, how to create gold. How the fuck did monkeys turn into humans? You'll see the memes now. It's coming back into it because we can share information with each other around the globe when it's not being censored. There's the picture of like the monkey and the alien holding a baby human. And the captions, y'all ain't ready to have this conversation yet. That went viral for months. Air Raid Area 51. Who put this super smart DNA into us? You got the friggin' stoned ape theory where we found mushroom patties under the 
water buffalo in the Sahara and that taught us language. We weren't able to talk to each other. We were like fucking cats. And then we started eating mushrooms and we were like, bro, you feeling it? And those were the first words ever spoken by man. You got in my field of interest, the Anunnaki, came over from the 10th planet, made the pyramids for us, inserted some alien DNA and bounced. <laughs> Let me throw a little defense there. Did you know no mummy has ever been found in the pyramids? No mummy has ever been found in the fucking pyramids. And then you get to the water records that show on the base of the pyramid that it's over 200,000 years old. You could carbon date it. But they teach us in schools Cleopatra was chilling 6,000 years ago. Our entire history timeline is bullshit that you go into the world with. But there were no mummies. The thing about the pyramids is that the light blocked it out. So it was like one of these giant isolation chambers. Noise could not get in. And what it was probably used for, it's lined up with the stars, is interstellar communication. That's another meme going around. It's like uh, aliens finally get here and they're like... We found your probe, bro. Why didn't you just use the pyramids to communicate with us? That's what it is. CIA is spending billions of dollars looking into remote viewing. Like Tesla before, frequencies and energies are what the universe is built upon. So yeah, <laughs> the pyramids are a complete mystery as long with the missing link. How did we get to this point? But science will have you believe... You know, evolution happened. It's, holy shit, man. Evolution happened within 200,000 years we turned into people. What the fuck are you saying, bro? Monkeys took 2 million years to go from quadrupeds to bipedal to straighten out their fucking spine. And you're just saying within, like, 2 million fathers, we lost all the hair and started talking and went to the moon. When you learn more history, that story seems shoddier and sketchier. Then we get further into... DNA. Who invented the uh, double helix? Watson and Crick. And this was around the same time as the atomic theory too. So again, we needed something to go along with coping with the fact that we're not too special, that God didn't only create us, that our DNA makes us different from chimps. It's all in the middle. In a societal sense, once people then knew we're just borrowed matter, like I'm saying, it made for the dogma of science to take over much easier. You're not special. You're just fucking borrowed matter. You've heard of, this is going to tie into the uh, DNA. People that have taken DMT, <laughs> they say they go back through their DNA and they have lived previous lives. Like, oh, it was my family that one time that I was living in Siberian Russia and we had a farm. And they go through their entire life taking care of these people. You've heard the term genetic information. Maybe memories are just as easily stored within your epigenetic as well as your fucking brain. Dog, if someone steals your your hair, a piece of your fingernail, they do not need your brain. They just need a little bit of DNA to be able to make a clone of you. So neuroscientists out here going, your brain is the fucking most coveted thing in the universe. You don't even need to look at someone's brain to be able to make an exact replica of it. You just need their DNA. So all that information, how it's fucking playing out, is probably stored in your DNA. Maybe how you react, too. And so with these psychedelics, you can tune into that DNA frequency. And you got <laughs> Lyndon B. Johnson hanging out with the scientists saying, Reefer madness, you're going to cum your pants if you smoke some pot. And then you got the war on drugs starts and Nixon goes, hey, what do, <laughs> like a bad stand-up joke, hey, what do blacks and hippies have in common? Psychedelics. 
that's how we're going to throw him in jail. So now any type of hallucinogen that could put you above and beyond scientific explanation has been banned from society. We're talking DNA, Watson and Crick, and the atomic theory. The guy who discovered the atom was Neil Bohr. And he said, this is a direct quote from the guy who discovered the base unit of the universe we use. When it comes to atoms, language can only be used as poetry. This is like the pseudo, not that long of a quote. I'll try to give you another one off the top of my head. It's like the pseudoscience of the quantum realm. Nobody knows what the fuck is going on down there. I don't know who said it. Maybe Einstein was like, the more you try to study the quantum realm, the more you realize that no mathematic equations add up. It's like on the base level, if your tiniest integers do not add up, then it will not, you have to understand everything to understand anything. It's not going to add up to the big picture when we don't understand how the littlest quarks and nuance of the universe work. String theory, sure, man, we got it all down. Bohr also said, this is fucking crazy, (laughs) the guy that invented the atom, the ideal research paper is one that surrounds the idea of the financier. So it doesn't matter what your findings are, We want to know who paid for your study and what findings they are trying to come up with. It's pretty crazy. Neil Bohr there, he's like maybe a little hint saying, this is why I said that we're all made of atoms. Remember, life is in the gray here at the end of chapter three. When science or religion starts to tell you that you're a slave to predeterminalism or even you're a slave to your DNA and thought crime, telling people either of these things that they don't have autonomy, it pushes people to counterculture if you shove anything down enough it's going to come out some other way and if you shove something down someone's throat their reaction is definitely going to be to spit that shit out chapter four the bits of neural matter he starts this one duking it out a little bit with steven pinker really big author his how the mind works shows how the brain is a neural radio and it can tune into many different frequencies so he's saying You're not just natured and then nurtured and then your brain is friggin' like that forever. You can tune into different frequencies throughout your life. But Pinker made a really good point here with the neural radio. The population is bigger than ever. We got, what, 7.5 billion people now chilling on the globe? There are tons, literally tons of geniuses now. And everybody is just tuned into the same fucking frequency of math, engineering, which this is good stuff. You need these people building bridges out there, but we need some of these geniuses getting bored and running their own experiments. Just like Einstein, just like Tesla, this is where new stuff comes from. It's not tuning into the same frequency everybody's been on. And this is why Einstein was so edgy. Again, we'll go back to him. He had an insane IQ, and he was able to ace those creativity tests. So it really doesn't do too much if you got a fucking 150 IQ and you have no social or creative skills. Like, (laughs) it'll do you good. You'll make a good salary doing actuary work, doing math about dead people, but it doesn't do society any good. You're not going to make anybody an iPhone. You're not going to make anybody laugh. And what this shows, if Einstein was able to do both creativity and genius, creativity may be an entirely different part of the brain than intellect. It's like imagination. It has nothing to do with if you memorize math, your imagination. <laughs> this imagination part of the brain, it's definitely not in a fucking magic connect dome. The imagination is a muscle. It's just like any other part of memorization, times tables, that's a muscle. 
this imagination is like a muscle in your brain. I've seen some newer videos of microscopic videos of neurons. When you are making new connections, you're learning something, you can see the neurons like crawling out, fucking scary, gross, looks like spiders spitting webs, creating a giant new brain. But like I'm saying, your brain is a muscle. When you look at the dementia microscopic or MRIs, you see the gray matter, you see it shrink. It's a muscle, it'll atrophy if you don't use it. And a really cool point here Curtis made along with that was how your mind's ability to forget the past wouldn't exist if your brain was hardwired. You can suppress things or whatever, but you can legitimately just forget shit. Like, (laughs) according to Sebastian Sung and whatever his other neuroscientist buddy was, it does make sense. Not to mention, this is one of my favorite knowledge bombs. Gotta spin it into a joke somehow. In your, <laughs> it'd be pretty easy. In your brain, we have uh, about like a trillion neurons. <laughs> yeah, who's fucking counting though? But if you do an MRI of your stomach, you can see there are neurons in your stomach. That's why people tell you, listen to your gut, or you'll throw up if you're thinking of something disgusting, seeing someone else vomit. There are neurons in men's penises. What? Uh, when a girl calls you a dickhead, she's not too wrong. But, like, where is your connectome is also in your dick, Sebastian Sung? Where's the consistency? There's also these new measurements of micro-expressions, how you're unaware of. Do you want pizza or ice cream? They do a test, and you are already moving towards your answer 0.3 seconds before you even know what you want to do. So that's more towards the predeterminalism predeterminalism side. White cited how Procter & Gamble, uh, the Disney Imagineers is a really good example, and then you have the Google think tanks are becoming more valuable than ever. Think tanks, friggin' WeWork, all that bullshit is supposed to be huge, valuing the creativity tests over the regurgitory programming. I'm dabbling in the abominable sciences here when I touched on how Jewish people are smart as hell. Americans are still known for our ideas. That's what we sell the best of. Hollywood, we have the most patents made per year. China's getting a little nasty, though, on the... Not only do they make the best cameras and Huawei phones, they have human-animal hybrids. Go look into it. America, though, we're still known for some of our ideas, baby. It's because it has the highest degree of freedom to flourish. Just like those Disney Imagineers, that's why it's the best theme park on Earth, because they can create an environment, like I was talking about before, damn, everything you see is something someone imagined. Those Imagineers, when you are in the park, you're literally in their imagination. And that's what happens. Beautiful things can happen when there's a high degree of freedom. In Beethoven's time, cool little fact here about inventors and shit, the inventor of the mop was lynched by a gang of servants. (laughs) They needed work at that time. The servants were making money. They're not slaves over in Beethoven's Germany. So the newest scientific research breakthrough, a fucking mop, was about to make a bunch of servants unemployed. So they got after (laughs) Mr. Mop. Ladies and gentlemen, with that little fact right there, do you really believe that no doctors are getting killed over the cure for cancer? A guy was killed over a goddamn mop. He said, let me put a wig on the end of a stick. He would have been a millionaire. And then he was killed. You got... (laughs) Look into Dr. Sebi. 
You know, remember Nipsey Hussle, everybody? The guy who, <laughs> a truth rapper that died? That's what fucking rap was. It's the inner city's political voice. They have no other political leverage. Nipsey Hussle was rapping truth. And he was saying how Dr. Sebi has a fucking cure for cancer. It had to do with, like, obviously clean ketogenic type of diet and, like, turmeric or some bullshit. But, hey, Nipsey Hussle and both Dr. Sebi are now dead prematurely. It's fucking creepy, man. So don't be inventing mops out there. <laughs> it's not a good age to be an inventor. You gotta give credit to Jeff Bezos if you invent anything. He'll send a drone to your house. Please sign over copyright or face the fire. There's literally too much money in science for unethical billionaires not to find their way into it. That would be so lazy of them. It's the libertarian road argument, man. If there's no government, who is going to build the roads? I will be out there with a bucket mixing cement to capitalize on that money. With this grand delusion and dogma of science, billionaires know how to make money off of that bullshit. Cool little point here about the inventors being the goats. Throughout history, artists have always been jealous of inventors because they're inventing art that's changing the world. They're creating something countercultural, something we didn't have before, and they're bringing it into the world for people to use. That's why artists are always jealous. They can only write songs or finger paint. But as we know, art is subjective. There we go. Back to that I Heart New York shirt thing, like... Maybe I, I definitely value Sympathy for the Devil or any Led Zeppelin album more than I value Concealer. Because <laughs> then it makes it harder to know who you want to hook up with. <laughs> Makeup. But in a lot of cases, even though art is subjective, it's about as valuable as a sandwich. And at least you can eat a sandwich. That guy who nailed a banana to the wall in an art exhibit, is it art? No, you're with Mr. Behind the Story. That was like a $200,000 tax write-off that they were able to wash through art. That's what a lot of art is, ladies and gentlemen. It's just fucking wandering money. That's why you have to look for the counterculture within the art to see if it is legitimate art. So we started talking the chapter about how brains can tune into different frequencies, maybe throughout different points of the life. Your genetics have a similar capability where your kids might have quicker thumbs for texting or like smaller ear canals for earbuds or with the current trend of obesity, an extra sack of fat on the stomach or an extra stomach entirely. So as your bodies change, like we don't need the, uh, what is that little one? The organ for digesting raw meat in your stomach appendix. Some people are born without it. Wisdom teeth, some people are born without it. That's within your genetic information. How come our brains haven't remastered themselves? It's weird. Look at a guy in the 1800s. He was four feet tall. Same brain. And Curtis is thinking to answer this, we need to know if there's a difference between personhood and identity. So a little soul meets body action. And this is where the Buddhist word of delusion comes from. And they're always talking about in Buddhism, put the mask away. Just be you. One of the Buddhist uh, phrases I've heard is, you are not a body with a soul, you are a soul with a body. Get along with your body. Treat this little bitch nice. It's your vehicle. Putting the mask on is worse in today's society because there's more norms than ever. That's going to take us to chapter 5. 
He starts this one with a little bit of a brain teaser. That's uh, logically sound, I guess. Isn't anything not measurable by science, by definition, a figment of our imagination? Because you have to be able to put the numbers on things to be able to measure it. If you can't measure something, you don't know whether or not it exists. This is like the dark matter thing. But what we're getting at here, bigger picture, is the issue is science won't admit what it can't define. Name of the chapter, We Insiders. The insiders of science know most things are unexplained. Where We are such a culture of fast answers right now. We just want to be able to Google something and act like we know the answer. We, do, we just don't know the answer to most things, if you're asking the big enough question. Like, why does visual stimuli give you a good feeling? Like, a good sunset can give you a boner. Or looking out on the ocean, for some people, can bestow fear upon you. The brain cannot explain that. Maybe some people would say it's a protection mechanism. How is my erection protecting me from the sunset? As the insiders, a lot of scientists think in math. Like, humans think in language. We, you, whatever language you're born with, Eskimos have 50 words for snow. That's the language they think in. A lot of scientists and these high IQ people are thinking in math, which is a more calculated existence. It's not emotional. So in some sense, Newton, he both found calculus as much as he invented it. Because, like, if you had an alien touchdown on Earth, they would have the math. They're just going to have different symbols for it. So he found it. It's not like Newton was like, the apple never fell off the tree until Newton was sitting under it. <laughs> we didn't have the language to describe the motions. It's like, how many human emotions do you think are undefined? How many, your brain is different from every single other person's. You probably have felt unique emotions that somebody else hasn't, and words are not going to be enough to describe that. That's most of science. Color may also be its own language. It's a frequency, so it's measurable like that. You can send secret CIA messages in color across the ocean or in the sky if you're trying to talk to a prisoner of war. So science isn't the way you communicate. You could communicate in really creative ways. Blink twice if you want a bone. Science is data and the funding of data. That's what, like, the broad fucking new age the science, not even new age, because Columbus was funded to go smash babies on rocks and colonize the Caribbean. That was exploratory science. Definitely counterculture to those people. When you go back to the Greeks and, like, the math motherfuckers who... Bah, 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 I'm not going to remember it. There's people who were obsessed with sacred geometry they were using science as a jigsaw approach to reality and it's just a seven step method to find a couple things out it's not a predictive tool white is trying to make a bigger point here the more we learn about the brain for real the more we start to learn how we should live like we were just living on impulse for most of reality now we're living on inertia it always comes back to us running with the narratives that are probably not right. At the moment, we prescribe people sedatives to come to terms with the hand that they're dealt. It's not fix your life, it's deal with your life. It ties back into romanticism. If we actually cared about finding the best way, like Mr. White did, science could work with counterculture, as it used to and as it should. It should not be co-opted by the state. 
That's when you get a Dr. Mengele doing twin experiments or human-animal hybrids in China. That's some unethical bullshit. Edison was not doing that in his lab. He's trying to make a dollar. That's a much better source of motivation than <laughs> government control of the populace. Science belongs to the people. So the more we learn about the brain, the more we know how we want to live. Curtis made a really good point here about how the DSM, how we... <laughs> How we diagnose mental illnesses and how you should medicate your brain forever was invented 40 years ago by a guy who spent hours a day in cells with mass murderers. John Douglas created the fucking DSM. We read that book, Mindhunter, on here. So going off of that guy, now you are on Prozac for your whole life. You're adjusting your brain to that rather than, you know, finding the new frequency. It's the current science that'll tell you you're sick in the head if you can't sit in a solitary cubicle for 40 hours a week. Is that why suicide rates are at an all-time high in human history? We have more wealth than ever. Why are we not living right? And now people even identify with those symbols. The anxiety. I have a manic depressant. Probably me. <laughs> I have insomnia. Just go to sleep earlier, dude. Put your phone down. You're identifying with these symbols for a brain pattern rather than some behavioral therapy, that Buddhist bullshit we were talking about. While we're going deep here, White was considering the ideas of the transcendentalists. One of their main tenets is how the first rate of intelligence, the litmus test of the standard of a human intelligence, you should be able to hold two opposing views simultaneously and still be able to function. You should not be outraged. You should be able to have a discussion. It is a high standard to hold people to. But like I'm saying here, you got the church and you got the veil of science when indeed it is one arm that's being co-opted by the state. You got to search for the individual research, not what's being funded. And so holding two opposing views, this comes into, like, if you can't do that, you're not going to be able to understand art, which sounds like a super pretentious thing to say, because, like, we we're talking about the banana. In a lot of art, there's nothing to understand. A lot of it's a money grab. They have what's called the transcendental art synthesis, which is supposed to be how Da Vinci was coming up with his machines. <laughs> I'll never be the same after I went to that freaking Da Vinci exhibit. Guy invented a car in 1500 and he's saying i know the church is telling me i'm not allowed to make these things i'm not allowed to make the flying machine <laughs> but there's actual science that needs to be done we could probably have anti-gravity machines right now if people had the funding but it's going to blowing up women and children in iran world war three coming along cool point towards the end of the chapter how art is metaphysical and it can transcend science I saw a video one time of a DJ. He like recreated his entire set for deaf people. So he used vibrating floors, a bunch of pulsating lights, and like air cannons. So airwaves were hitting the people. And it was just a concert hall of deaf people vibing out. They were able to hear the music jamming. And afterwards, they were, you know, doing the whole crying thing. They're like, I actually heard music in my head. How is science explaining that one? How does science explain when you're tripping balls and you're able to taste sound? You're able to smell color? Beethoven's Ninth Symphony is supposed to be like the most transcendental piece of music ever. Because it was like the first time they switched from B major to D minor or something like that. And it was just like, when you're in a huge room with that with a 50-piece orchestra and they switch keys, it's going to 
change the whole frequency of your body. You're going to get the chills. Why does meditation have restorative effects? <laughs> Where's the biomedical science behind that? Placebo. Where's the biomedical science behind that? I went to my surgeon a couple weeks ago for a checkup. I can finally lift again. It's pretty crazy. I, oh, baby, fucking just flexed hard on you. Almost flexed out in my podcasting chair. It feels like the day after the guy told me I was able to lift again, my arm was ready to go, which I know I'm taking it slow, yada, yada, yada. (laughs) When you believe someone's got more information than you and they tell you something you want to hear, there's some spiritual bullshit going on there. One of the reasons I've heard that meditation has that restorative effect on your body is because it activates the imaginary imaginary part of your brain. Just like uh, deep sleep activates the restorative effects of the imaginary, the DMT is starting to go into your brain. When you meditate, when you're accessing this muscle in your brain, it's good for your body. And uh, Sebastian Sung, none of the neuroscientists are going to tell you this. Chapter 6, our final chapter. In praise of prey, nature seeing itself. Our first chapter was about the science of food failing most Americans. Two-thirds of Americans are overweight. It's just the one-third that are obese and are pretty much guaranteed going to die from heart disease. The political science spectrum has completely failed us. Every single one ending in corruption. I'm not just talking about American Washington, D.C. Congress. Look at how British people talk about their parliament. Look at how... (laughs) I'm going to scare people off with this bigger point about corrupt governments, but it's a fact of life. It's a repeating script of history. Think about it. People major in this in school. They pay $200,000 as an 18-year-old to major in political science. What the fuck is that? To have a... 28-year-old kid who got a doctorate and has never left school teach you about how left-wing pseudoscience is your new religion? Come on, man. The political science spectrum is complete baloney. Again, science is not a tool to predict. I will not trust any political science major kid telling me I know how the political election is going to pawn out because I took that as a major. Maybe, if you were paying attention in class, you would be able to tell me how political action committees bribe our congressmen a little bit better. That's the real science behind it. A seven-step process you can test. Science is not a fucking crystal ball to look into the future, Greta Thunberg. I know you're 12. That's pretty easy to believe. But I'm 23. I wish I could fucking borrow an old man's brain for a day, but they say the older you get, it's just like you realize nobody fucking knows what's going on, man. You just have whatever data you cling on to your life and claim to that as whatever will get you to the end, baby. So White wants to clarify before the end of the book. He doesn't want to be lynched. White is saying he loves science. He loves everything it's provided. He loves his bidet. He loves his microwave. He sure loves his iPhone, too. What he hates are people who hide behind the ideology of scientism as a culture of ideology. We know a year and a quarter into Nick's nonfiction, replacing an ideology for actual thoughts is a cop-out. You're not using your brain. So saying science, it's it's proven by science, is a fucking admitting defeat in an argument. You're tapping out to a real intellectual. Not me. I'm retarded, people. I'm not trying to fucking virtue signal here. 
the type of science that I really think you guys should be looking out for because I'll keep my eye. I'm doing the black belt shit. I'm watching the tears in the Oso ozone layer that NASA's putting out. You could see in the bottom of the report they always have to discern that it is a computer-generated photo. We don't actually have real photos of this bullshit. I'll be on that. The signs that you really need to watch out for is like tobacco companies who you ever watch um, Thank You for Smoking. That's all about the science behind cigarettes and how it was lobbied into existence. I'm not talking about the fucking 70s people. I'm talking about right now. This type of shit that's going on with the jewel. They're trying to push people back to physical cigarettes. We don't know how vaporizing anything turns out. We don't have enough study on that. You'll listen to a scientist who has five years and they'll tell you he knows everything, so you'll pay him. We really don't know these things, so do not trust these tobacco companies saying XYZ or is safe. Do not trust FDA agents ever. If you've ever looked into that, I wanted to work for the FDA. Zero things in GNC are FDA tested. That's why GNC is fucking thriving. They can sell real supplements that work. What the FDA stamps their approval on are Reese's Pieces so that we could sell it overseas to other countries. They do not give a fuck about Americans. They subsidize McDonald's and shit that is going to make you die prematurely. You have to watch out for the bullshit pseudoscience of pharmaceutical companies. I gave like 10 speeches on this in college because I just used it as the same paper in different classes. They're in every commercial, literally... Look at your phone, turn off the TV when they're starting to say, are you depressed? Go for a walk, absorb some sunlight, read a book. And then the biggest waste, well, I still got some energy in my sacks, the military-industrial complex. Their political science will have us in wars for our entire lifetime if we let them wake up to as much as possible, be skeptical. Our budget for 2020 was $4.75 trillion, so we're spending our kids into debt. Everyone out there who wants to have kids and considers themselves a Democrat, realizing you're voting for putting your kids in generational debt. Research your candidate. Maybe choose a new party. In 2013, when this book was published, the Scientific American published an article saying how the mind still is not pinpointed by MRI. We really don't know what's going on behind our eyes, ladies and gentlemen. There's probably a soul. There's probably a little guy with his hands on controls left, right, talk, chew gum. That's me. White ends saying that the brain may be something in the universe that you just can't figure out. Look at black holes. Do you expect that black holes are going to be figured out by the time you die? Probably not. So don't always turn to someone in a lab coat to tell you that they know what's happening before you put your like uh, brain on some irreversible chemicals to get your, uh, yourself out of a funk. Try to pick up a dumbbell. Try to pick up a new hobby and something to lose yourself in instead of just giving money every single week to uh, Big Pharma who's paying for fake science. It's a big circle, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't like the world you live in, maybe you're a romantic who just hasn't found their art yet. Keep on looking. Curtis White said, Voice is the first indicator of dissent. Some will rebel, and some will die under the stamp of approval. I feel like that wasn't a big enough of an ending. I have an MLK quote here. He called the newly presented New World Order. Why do you think this guy got killed? The International Association for the Advancement of creative maladjusted. Be the Tesla, be the Einstein to the highest degree you can, people. Think outside the box. 
you're definitely thinking outside the box for staying along to the end of the show today. I love you guys. You are the most hardcore fucking listeners out there. The Science Delusion, Nick's Nonfiction. Next up, we have the month of March. It's coming around for the ladies. You guys have your own month now. You're getting your own book. The Feminine Mystique by author Betty Friedan. This one is one of the best-selling books of all time. It is from the second wave of feminism in the 70s, debunking this modern crutch that some people hide under as feminism, you know, the body pride, self-care. Life is suffering, we learned this today. You can do this shit without a man. You do not need any of this societal whitewashing. We're learning about housewife syndrome. If you have an honest conversation with your mom, she might be on antidepressants. A lot of wives will tell you they are not fulfilled. Every episode I come on the show and I give my energy out to the motherfucking people. It's a feedback loop. This shit is about individuality. That creative brain muscle we were talking about today is inherently bigger than us pea-brained males. You just have to work on it. I'm gonna try to not virtue signal to women the whole show because I know a lot of our listener base is male, but I think it's important to probably brisk upon the one of the best-selling books of all time that got women out of the household. It changed society, this book. Betty Friedan's The Feminine Mystique, March 1st. Thank you guys again. Subscribe. Tell a mom, an evil twin, a third cousin that came to a reunion one year and you kissed behind the shed. Tell them about Nick's nonfiction. Everybody's going to love the show. Everybody's got something to learn. See you in just two weeks. Take it easy. Peace.